Welcome back. Glad you're here. So what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. Very good. Um, welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Is there anyone in the room that hasn't been here before? Oh, wow, a bunch of you. Good. All right. So first of all, welcome. We, we are a community here. That is genuine enthusiasm for your presence here among us. Thanks for coming. What we do here is a little different, perhaps, than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. Um, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what we attempt to do, the, the authors say in their foreword to show others precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of the book. So rather than misuse the book to show you precisely how I recognized my recovered status, the same way the authors recorded it is, is all I'm here to do. I'm here to share with you how I find my experience in the book. I also want to let anyone know, any of you guys that are members here, maybe you haven't been to this before, or any of you that are here in support of members here, uh, we also do a church service on Saturday night, which you are also welcome to come and support. And, and if you don't have a member here and you just stumbled in here and you're thinking you might want a different church experience, it's called the Recovery Church. It's the New Freedom Recovery Church. Pastor Sam Lee officiates that service. And uh, let them know who you are, Sam. So, and you're all welcome to come and celebrate with us uh, all of our members' new freedom, right? Because this is, we're all talking about a new freedom here. That's what we're about. So tonight we're in steps eight and nine. And... Um, a lot of people sort of, without a real explanation of what the step experience is, they're a little bit frightened of eight and nine, right? And so they sort of dread eight and nine. But what we want to lead off with is eight and nine, particularly nine, is the freedom step. It's, it's the fitness step, right? So, so that's really what we should be looking forward to. So we're going to try and help you get a perspective shift about why I might want to do it and, and, and see what kind of experience of freedom we can get to because you all know the ninth step promises promise a new freedom, a new happiness, right? Okay, so we're on page 76 of the book and we're in the middle of the page and it says, now we need more action. I want to stop right there. Who's we? The first 100, this is why when we read this book or we read the step on the wall and we haven't had the experience up to this, we're so frightened because we're not properly prepared yet for this portion because we haven't had our eyes opened, we haven't encountered power, we haven't done all those things that have happened up to this point. So when we say we, they are convinced that we need more action because they've experienced a little freedom and once you've had a little freedom, what do you want? More. There you go. All right. So it says, without which we find that faith without works is dead. So how many of you recognize that phrase from another teaching? Book of James. Right. So so those of you that that kind of thing bothers, then we don't don't get your knickers in a knot. But the point is for for alcoholics, the reason faith without works is dead is that through works, one alcoholic to another, my eyes open, reparation of harms done, I prove the power to me through me. Because I'm a doubter by nature. Right? Okay. So it's important not only that I prove the power to me, so it's not a theory, it's an experience. God, the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. But it's also important for somebody else suffering like I once did who has not yet experienced restoration to recognize it in me and ask me what happened. And then I'll bear witness to his power, his love, his way of life because they inquired. Make sense? Okay. So then it says let's look at steps eight and nine. We have a list of all persons we have harmed and to whom we are willing to make amends. 
When did we get such a list? So they said, we made it when we took inventory. Okay? And it says, we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. How many of you have done an inventory? How many of you considered it drastic? How many of you have not done it because you said, fuck, that's drastic? <laughs> right? You're going to have to encounter power or you're not going to do a drastic step, aren't you? So you're going to have to encounter power in two in order to inform a decision and move you forward. Okay, so we subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. Do you see what they said the step was about? A lot of times people think it's about admitting wrong or saying I'm sorry, but it's really about reparation. So I'm going to make an approach and I'm going to cop to what I did. That's part of it. But then I'm going to ask them what I can do to make it right, and then the reparation will be actually asking this power to enable me to treat them as they've specified. Up to and including leave me alone. How many of you, once you got sober, and then you got told to stay out of your, their life, you're like, but I'm sober. You need to embrace me. Because we all go through some form of that. I'm not trying to make fun, because it hurts is if they say get away and stay away we got a whole family the family of man that we're supposed to go talk to and they'll they'll come around they will come around okay so we attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to run or to live on self-will and run the show ourselves if we haven't the will to do this we ask until it comes so once again the authors are reminding us that willingness although through me is not of me so we've got to quit telling people in the fellowship, I won't work with you because you're not willing, because willingness is divine power. Until I demonstrate my own willingness to set aside my judgments and love them unconditionally, why would they? Does it make sense? Willingness is divine power. When they, when they see it, they'll, they'll move alongside, which is the point. Okay? So remember it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. With whom did we make that agreement? Yeah, they said it was better to meet God alone than with someone who might misunderstand. I'm willing to go to any lengths, whatever it looks, or I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And by now, part of the process of re being relieved of the bondage of self is owning my part. And then becoming better through him. Does it make sense? Okay. All right, so... Probably there are still some misgivings. <laughs> so we always want to acknowledge fear, but we don't want to be driven by fear. Right? We can, we can either be driven by it or we can consume it as fuel. And so the idea is we, we overcome fear by confronting fear. So there's going to be misgivings. Where does willingness come from? Deep down inside. And how do I get it? I ask until it comes. Right? You don't have to believe in prayer to try that and see. See what happens. You gotta honestly want it and be willing to make the effort, but you don't have to believe it'll happen. None of us think we're good enough for God. We're just wrong. We are, because he said so. Um, probably there are still some misgivings as we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt. We may feel different about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. You know what that means? I had some rather nefarious business partners, and I may have hosed them a little. So I'm a little soft on going to them on a spiritual basis. Right? So it says, let us be reassured to some people we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. We might prejudice them. So they've already told me I'm going to make more than one approach, number one. And number two, I've got to think of their needs. How would I like to be approached if the roles were reversed? Right? So if I go to them and announce my search for God when they're really more interested in my search for their stereo, <laughs> I'm probably not going to have as good an audience. Right? Okay. So at the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So when we say God, what are we talking about? Power. Because we come to believe in power. And the power of testimony will prove this to you. 
and you'll, you'll start to see changed hearts when you start moving into this fitness step, right? To fit myself to be of maximum usefulness, I have to get free of my limiting thoughts about who I am and who you are, right? right? We got a, a core value here, or rather a, a mission statement that we empower the innate goodness in every human being. We, we believe that. We don't let the eyes dissuade us of that. There is innate goodness in every human being, and we're going to empower that. Yes. Right? That's what we do here, too. Okay? So it's seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and announce that we've gone religious. I mean, anyone know what they're talking about? You ever tried to? Have you met the guy that was a complete train wreck? And then they got a little religious, and then they just ran around really religious until they didn't. <laughs> so we all laugh, so we've all encountered them. We've probably all been them in some degree. But the reality is that's not an impressive testimony, right? Okay, in the prize ring, this would be called leading with the chin. How many of you got hurt by church people? How many of you have been hurt by recovery people? So we don't want to look like them to them or it might prejudice them, and, and the whole mission of me offering to them the healing, the healer that healed me, that has sent me to them, I, I mean, they're not even gonna hear it, okay? All right, so why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious bores? We may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. So, I had a buddy for years, he used to just say, look man, in AA, we're like the mailman. We just deliver the mail. We don't wait around to see if they like what it says. There's gonna be another approach, right? So we deliver the message and then we leave them to stew in it. Any of you ever had a message delivered to you and then after you thought about it, you needed to know more? But the initial response was, screw that. Or that makes no sense or, okay. So, but our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He's gonna be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. Wouldn't you be? Yep. Show me, don't tell me, right? right yeah. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God when it will serve any, good catch, who was that? Good, Mike. <laughs> when it'll serve any good purpose, we're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. What's that look like to us in recovery? What is my conviction about my recovery rooted in? It's not a, not a theology, right? I mean, I, I was snatched up. I had no intention of stopping on the day I stopped, and I had no intention of ever doing anything different than I was doing. I, I figured if I never try again, I'll never fail again. Then one day I was snatched up. I've never been the same. That's what I gotta tell them. I can't tell you anything about how, but I can tell you a little bit about who. Um, the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. Any of you got that guy? And then a bunch of you don't like the word hate, right? Okay. So hate means strongly dislike. Most of us got one of those. It's usually us. Um, it may be he's done us more harm than we've done him, and though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're still not too keen about admitting our faults. So do you recognize that person in your life now? Okay. So it says, nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. So what do they mean? We're going to go anyway. We're going we're to create the situation. We're going to take the lead, right? So... It's harder to go to an enemy than to a friend. So the first thing they do is acknowledge the obvious, right? How many of you have thought about having to go to an enemy and you're thinking, if I go to them and I cop to what they did, this, this is gonna humiliate me, and, right? So, so that's the first thought always, it's harder. But then it goes on to say, but we find it much more beneficial to us. I say all of that to tell you this, I've heard people over the years in fellowship saying, go to the hardest one first, that is not what they said. What they said to you was you're going to get more benefit, but let's grow you a little bit. And they wrote out a whole bunch of chapters to the wife, to the family, to the employer. Get a circle of support around you. And when it's time for you to grow into these difficult ones, you'll be empowered to do so. 
Um, we go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. How does one get in a helpful and forgiving spirit with someone we hate? Pray. Pray. You ever really not like somebody and knew you needed to own something and it just kept looping? Yeah. Head, heart, head, heart. I got, I got to get free of this. Fuck him. I got to get. <laughs> Any of you ever had that experience? Yeah. And it just won't go away. So the only way that's going to happen is a power greater than me. Right. It's going to improve consciousness of a kinder. So I'm going to have to get centered. How would I like to be approached if the roles were reversed? Right? Yeah. And then we express our regret. A regret for what? We don't want to express our regret for hating them because they may not know we hate them. We express our regret for what we showed them that showed our dis distaste for them, right? How many of you had family members that you really didn't not like, you didn't, whatever, you just didn't go around them because you, you knew you were going to behave badly and you didn't want to put them through it? <laughs> A lot of us have had that experience. So they don't know. They thought I was mad at them. So until I go free them of that and say, no, I was just such a wreck, I didn't want to expose you to what a mess I was, until I give them that freedom to forgive me, they don't get the freedom. And forgiveness is healing, right? So I've got to go talk to them about those experiences. It wasn't what you thought, right? Okay. So under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply we tell them we'll never get over drinking until we've done our utmost to straighten out the past. Do you believe that? The doctor said we'd be restless, irritable, and discontent unless we can find a sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a few drinks, a few hits. Mm -hmm. So if I don't get this well of ease and comfort within me pumping, if I don't get free of my limiting thoughts, my condemning thoughts, which aren't going to hurt them anyway, they're just going to sink me, I'm going to be in trouble, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're there to sweep off our side of the street, realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished till, until we do so. Never to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. You notice how many times they said that over and over different ways. Do you think that it was difficult for them? Yeah. It was probably impossible for them as humans, but as they grew in consciousness, they found they were empowered to be kinder than they felt like being. They found that they were capable of loving the unlovely. They were... Any of you had those types of experiences? Yeah. So that's when you start finding out that faith without works is dead. If I don't go take this power out for a walk, I'm never going to grow into the certainty that I've got this power in me and it lives through me. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So his faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. And then some promises. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. So what do they mean by a calm manner? Yeah, the appearance is calm. How many of you have been calmed in the spirit but did not feel calm? That's why they talked of our calm manner. But the fact is you may be quite nervous in your approach, but the spirit will calm you. What do they mean by frank? Straight. Quit trying to spin it. Own it. Whatever it is. Right? And what's open? How many of you went to make an approach for an amends and they had something to say to yeah. you that you didn't remember. Yep. <laughs> Wonderful blackout. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they may have perceived what happened differently than me. So the point is I'm just there to sweep off my side of the street, so I, I need to be open to what they have to say because regardless of whether I think it occurred or their perception is correct, I don't get to tell them how they should feel about it. Right? right. Okay. So says we will be gratified with the result. It helps if you're continuing to do the work because you may not be gratified instantly, which a lot of us prefer. Right? right? Yeah. You may make an approach. You may actually start in your amends process, and you may not be gratified until you grow into it and realize what a gift that was. Right? right? Any of you with family members that are mad at you? Yeah. Yeah. That's, sometimes it takes a minute. Um, in nine cases out of ten, the unexpected happens. Sometimes the man we're calling upon admits his own fault, so feuds of your standing melt away in an hour. Rarely do we fail to make satisfactory progress. So at a minimum, what's going to happen is I'm going to outgrow 
the fear that's blocking me from becoming a better version of me. Does that make sense? I mean, even if they don't receive anything, remember the 12th step guarantees me a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. It's nothing about you. Right. Right? So I'm guaranteed a spiritual experience as a result of the steps. It may take me a minute to, to find out what the revelation was to me as I go out to help somebody else. Yes? Yeah. All right. So our former enemies sometimes praise what we're doing and wish us well. Occasionally, they'll offer assistance. It should not matter, however, if someone does throw us out of his office. We've made our demonstration, done our part. It's water over the dam. That doesn't mean, screw them, I'm not going back. It means I've demonstrated my willingness to face my own bad actions, and now it's on them to decide when they want to hear it again, and then I'll make another approach. Right? right? Rather than being a nuisance. Because sometimes we insist that they hear us, right? And that's my old behavior. <laughs> okay. So most alcoholics owe money. That's kind of a no-brainer, you'd think. But they wrote it in here because a lot of us act like we don't. Okay. And it would be a big secret if anyone knew. We do not dodge our creditors. Telling them what we're trying to do, we make no bones about our drinking. They usually know it anyway, whether we think so or not. So how many of you discovered that little factoid? That when you finally admitted your addiction, you made it unanimous? Right. Oh, thank God he knows. <laughs> Nor are we afraid of disclosing our alcoholism on the theory that it may cause financial harm. So be careful how you read that. If I've harmed them and I went to make the approach to tell them I know I've harmed them and that you didn't deserve it, then letting them know that my alcoholism caused me to be terribly irresponsible, it was a character defect that I'm asking for improvement on, and right now I need for you to tell me what I can do to make this right. But if I've never harmed them and I just met them and I disclosed my alcoholism, it might indeed harm me. So it's not saying blather it to everyone you encounter, it's saying when it'll serve a good purpose. Right? If, that, if they're owed that explanation, give it to them. Okay. So approached in this way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Arranging the best deal we can, we let these people know we're sorry. Our drinking has made us slow to pay. We must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go, for we're liable to drink if we're afraid to face them. How many of you got sober, were living sober, and then had all the bills and you still couldn't answer your phone, you couldn't answer the door? Any of you live that way? Yeah. Okay. Well, we can't live that way for long. Somebody's calling. I don't know what's going on here. Let me turn it off. Okay. So perhaps, oh, this is good for this crowd. Perhaps we've committed a criminal offense. Which might land us in jail if it were known to the authorities. We may be short in our accounts and unable to make good. We've already admitted this in confidence to another person, but we're sure we'd be imprisoned or lose our job if it were known. Maybe it's only a petty offense, such as padding the expense account. Most of us have done that sort of thing. So do you relate to any of that? Yeah. So all of these, we all have these reasons why we're afraid to grow into a better version of ourselves, but the reality is if I don't, I'll use again. That's, right. That's my history. So this idea that if I do this, I'm going to lose that, and then... then well, I'm going to lose it all anyway because I'm a serious drinker and drug user. I have no time for things like work. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I get, I get very serious about it. So, well, are there any other serious ones here? Okay, good. So, maybe we've divorced and have remarried but haven't kept up the alimony number one. She's indignant about it and has a warrant out for our arrest. That's a common form of trouble too. So then they're going to talk to the whole. Although these reparations take innumerable forms, there are some general principles which we find guiding. So let's not look at the situations, let's look at the guiding principles. Because however many people are in here, that's how many of the innumerable forms are represented here, right? We all have different difficulties that we're going to go confront, right? So reminding ourselves that we've decided to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience 
So the first principle is remind myself to whom I made the promise. Right? It isn't to them. It's not to the ones waiting for me at home. This is, this is for the creator of all. And if, if he's keeping his, I might want to keep mine. Because I now know that's not a theology. That's a fact from my experience. Yes? Okay. So we, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. That's willingness. It's another of the, the telling us again. Willingness is, although in you, it's not of you. Right? How many of you know what you needed to do? And you're like, yeah, I'll get to it. I've needed to go to the dentist for three days. That's why you're looking at my face. I know what I need to do. I'm not willing. It's a manner of living. That's why I look like a pumpkin. What do you want me to tell you? Don't look. Okay. So, we may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink at anything. So I'm reminding myself that I am willing, but I lack power. Lack of power is my dilemma. So what are the guiding principles? In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. I've got to go inward. Yeah. It isn't going to matter how many people have an opinion or a hookup. That's right. I'm still going to have to get in the car and go. I'm going to have to dial a phone. I'm going to have to do something. Right? Okay. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we're not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the alcoholic pit. A man we know had remarried. Because of resentment and drinking, he'd not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. Any of you ever met her? <laughs> Me too. Um, she went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life. So what's that mean? He'd met the AAs. He was starting to go to the meetings. He was starting to work his way through the manner of living described in this book. Right? He had secured a position. He got him a job. Probably wasn't the job, but it was a job, right? Okay. And was getting his head above water, so he was starting to pay his own way. Any of you relate to that? Yeah. And then the bad news comes. Okay, that's what happened to him. Okay. So it would have been impressive heroics if he'd walked up to the judge and said, here I am. That's true, isn't it? It would be impressive heroics. What about spiritual growth would be benefited by impressive heroics? when humility is the foundation. Absolutely nothing. Right? This is why it might help to have a sponsor to run this little plan of impressive heroics by and see if there wasn't an alternate plan. Does it make sense? And if not a sponsor, I mean, I don't even know what sponsors do because everyone's got a different thing, but, but until you're consulting the spirit in most matters, you're going to probably talk to a human and they're going to help you sort out your thoughts. That's all. That's what we do around here. So, so we, ought, we thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, but if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggested he write his first wife, admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did, and he also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he would try and do in the future. He said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. That's a pretty heavy list. That's what any links might look like. What of those things do you imagine was most impressive? Some people think it's the money. Some people think it's the plan. Some people just the fact that we admit that we're wrong. Notice how they didn't leave out any of that. How about the one at the end where he says, I'm going to give you money today. I'm going to make a commitment to give you money in the future. And I did none of this to stop you from putting me in jail. If you want to put me in jail, I will go surrender. Yeah, the, the totality of that is demonstration of a changed nature. It's showing a lack of fear in the face of adversity, and it's showing a respect for what they want. See it? You see why they, the authors kind of give us a rundown to what that might look like and what it might feel like to witness it, rather than the old me spinning it. Well, you know, you're liable not to get the money if they lock me up. So I'll cut you in if you'll just give me a pass. <laughs> Some of you are already making notes on how to run. <laughs> okay. okay. So 
He told her what he would do in the future, and then it goes on to say that, of course, she did not, and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. I like to point out to you, when we read it in a book, we don't know the experience unless someone shows it. The fact that, of course, she did not seems self-evident now, but it damn sure isn't in the moment. You have, to you have to confront significant fear, and you have to know that imprisonment is a possible reality, right. and you got to put, put your faith out for a walk, yeah? Uh -huh. and, and you'll grow in the spirit as a result, and you can see why, and then they tell you outcomes. So before taking drastic action, which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. So who are the other people in that story? The new employer, the new wife. The old wife is the one he's harmed, but he's, he's got to go talk to and his, his newfound group. If, you know, if you've got the coffee commitment, you've got to tell your AAs, I'm not going to be here for a minute, I'm going to go, right? And I'm going to get okay from everybody, and then I'm going to move forward. And all of that's preparatory to actually going and owning my stuff. Okay? So if we have obtained permission, have consulted with others, ask God to help, and the drastic step is indicated, we must not shrink. See how they're talking to you about a sensory experience? How many of you have really been in a spin, needed to do something you were afraid of, and the drastic step was indicated, and you know that as a sensory experience? I'm very frightened, but I gotta go, right? Okay, that's what they're talking about. So now that you know that there, that conviction's there, that conviction is going with you. Take it out for a walk. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, this brings to mind a story about one of our friends. While drinking, he accepted a sum of money from a bitterly hated business rival, giving him no receipt for it. He subsequently denied having received the money and used the incident as a basis for discrediting the man. He thus used his own wrongdoing as a means of destroying the reputation of another. In fact, his rival was ruined. He felt he had done a wrong he could not possibly make right. Any of you ever felt that way about something you did? Okay, said if he opened that old affair, he was afraid it would destroy the reputation of his partner, disgrace his family, and take away his means of livelihood. How many of you have had an approach you needed to make in order to get a specification for an amend you needed to make, and you used as a justification, I don't want to let my family down or my business down? Because that's a go-to, right? If I do that, then I'm going to cause harm. But the fact of the matter is, I'm probably going to do more harm if I stay living in this condemnation I'm living in. Yeah. Any of you ever lived in a state of self-condemnation and thinking you could just keep it hidden and then one day it just squirted out all over the news? <laughs> okay. So wh what right had he to involve those dependent upon him? How could he possibly make a public statement Ex exonerating his rival. They put a question mark in this book, they want you to go inward. So he's telling you his process for meditation here. You know, how can he do these things? He doesn't even know what the, what the you know, how to make it right. He doesn't think he can possibly make it right and he, he's hurt more people. So he's gotta, he's gotta figure this whole thing out and he can't figure it out, so he's going inward. So they're telling you to you know, go inward and get answers, right? So now's the point to tell you this guy was an old Oxford group member, never was transitioned AA. So they don't name him or anything, just for reasons obvious. And church family was important to him. So what he had done is while drinking, he had taken money for the church fund. And then I don't know if any of you have ever been entrusted with money for something. And then there was this inexplicable evaporation rate of the money in your possession. Any of you ever had money just sort of magically disappear in your possession? And, and we have an explanation, but none that we care to give. So this happened to him, and so what he did is he just said, he's lying, he never gave me the money. That's why it was ruined, it was money for the church fund. And so this guy wasn't trying to get back to his AA group. This guy hadn't even been able to attend his church for years, and it bothered him. Any of you ever been part of a church family and, and you, now you can't go anywhere? I felt like that was the one, even if I didn't like anyone there, I could at least worship there and get a little free, no? Okay. So after consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion it was better to take those risks than to stand before his creator guilty of such ruinous slander. So now you understand that thought. 
I don't want to go before God and not have done something to make this right. I ruined this guy's reputation. I stole the money from the church fund. I, I got to go own this. Okay? So that's what any lengths might look like. So when you're willing to go to any lengths, for this guy, that's what it looked like. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands or he'd soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. So he set this outcome in God's hands and he set in motion the, the plan that the Spirit had given him. Who was hurt? The whole congregation for the church. How can he possibly make it right? I've got to talk to the whole congregation of the church. And he's going to start talking to, him about, uh, talking to us about that. He attended church for the first time in many years. After the sermon, he quietly got up and made an explanation. His action met widespread approval, and today he's one of the most trusted citizens of his town. This all happened years ago. Do you think he had any idea when he walked up in front of that congregation and said, you know, years ago, a parishioner here with me gave me some money while we were drinking, and I spent all of that money, and I lied to you and I lied to him. And I just want to know, I want you to know I cheated you, and I cheated him, and I'd like to know what I can do to make it right to you if it's possible. And can you imagine how that would make you feel? Mm-hmm. Any of you ever had a church family? Ever, how, where's my AA people that stole the seventh tradition? <laughs> Do you ever have to go have that conversation? Okay, so you got an idea what that feels like, right? So what he's telling you is when he did that, he's now one of the most trusted citizens of the town. So you're seeing the restoration, the recovered state, the thief of the church fund is the most trusted citizen in this town through the power of God. Does it make sense? They're they're witnessing to you the restoration. That's what it's like to be recovered, to face our fears and act better than we want to. Right? Okay. So the the chances are that we have domestic troubles. Anybody? No. Any of you that have a domestic probably have troubles, right? How many of you don't have a domestic and still have troubles? (laughs) Perhaps we're mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't care to have advertised. Any of you men or women mixed up with others that you wouldn't care to have advertised? Well, some of you are. You don't, think, you don't remember we got cameras. Um, just a heads up. We doubt if in this respect fun- alcoholics are fundamentally, fundamentally much worse than other people. But drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out resentful, and uncommunicative. How many of you have come home to somebody and had the experience of whoever you came home to being worn out, resentful, uncommunicative? Because that's what we see, right? But the next question is for me to understand, to get my eyes open spiritually, because eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So the next question is for me, how could she be anything else? Given what came home all those days, Given the way I behave, how could they be anything else? I've got to get the lens of what I'm seeing from them out and realize that that's a reflection of me. Does it make sense? Okay. So the husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in the nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Any of you ever do that? What is it? Christie's Cabaret. Christie's Cabaret. They have liquor there. Um, how about in recovery? Any of you ever go to ah. Fellowship Hall looking for? <laughs> so the reality is, let's not be cruel to people because we all know something of it or we wouldn't yeah. be chuckling about it. The reality of the situation is we all looking outside of ourselves when it's only inside of ourselves that the power can be found. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So perhaps he's having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands. Have any of you ever met him or her? Yep. The understanding one. Yes. So that it says, in fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? So now I'm going inward. It's really not her or his understanding that we're discussing here. Nope. It's about how long can I continue to behave badly towards people I care about how long, much longer can I involve others in that without causing a serious train wreck? Wow. Yeah. 
and if I'm honest in my own experience, probably not long, given what's happened in the past, yeah? Okay, so but what are we gonna do about a thing like that? Well, left to my own devices, I'm going to do it again. Anyone know what I'm talking about? So it's gonna encounter an issue for me that I need to access power greater in myself. I'm gonna to have to do the right thing regardless of what I wanna do. A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he's married to a loyal and courageous girl who's literally gone through hell for him. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we're sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? We got some, we got some strong no's, anybody? How, how sure are you? How sure were you she didn't know about your little drug addiction thing? How sure are you that she didn't know about the money you took out of her purse to go get that last eight ball? That's the point. I don't know, you, you know what I mean? I don't know for you, but the, it says, it qualifies. If you're sure, she does not know. I don't want to inflict harm for no reason, but if I'm not sure she doesn't know, given my history for not being all that slick, I may want to lay it out there. That's a, you know, with the spirit. Okay, so not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we've been wild, should we tell her in detail? Never. Some of you have gotten the details, I hear. You can't get that mental image gone once it's there, huh? Yeah. Sometimes it's not in their best interest to get detail. Because they don't need detail, Right? Um, undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She'll want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel, we ought to say to her, that we have no right to involve another person. Notice the wording they used. We feel. How many of you have felt you ought to do one thing and ended up lacking the power to carry that out? <laughs> and we're going to talk about what they learned. Okay, we feel we ought to <clears throat> have no right to involve another person. We're sorry for what we've done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. Though there may be justifiable exceptions, see, now they're getting to people like me. I am a manufacturing plant for justifiable exceptions. And what happens is I go ahead and discuss where and who, and all of a sudden, the anger rightfully placed at me deflects, and it, ultimately it ruined three, rep, three relationships, right? So I had no right to do that, but I do know why they said go back and do it the right way, because guess how I learned it? By doing it the wrong way. That's how us humans operate, right? We can learn from another's experience, but we're extraordinarily reluctant to do so. Okay. So, um, and it goes on to say, we wish to lay down no rule of any sort. We've often found this the best course to take. Our design for living is not a one-way street. What's that mean? When I'm in the manner of living, and I'm sharing my life with somebody, then I'm going to also share the principles by which I'm operating, should they ask, yes? Okay. So, it's as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. It's better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealousy. I tell you my story so that you can see they, they had more than just me, because I'm not the we. I know I'm old, but I ain't that old. So, perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. So how many of you got to a point where you just had to, do the whole, had to tell the whole story? The utmost frankness is demanded. Okay, no outsider can appraise such an intimate situation, so you and God will work it out, right? Yep. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we're dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk face-to-face -face combat. You see what they're talking about in all their metaphor? Yeah. 
is that we'll notice that they're angry or they're burdened, they're depressed. Calling that to the attention of that person is probably not going to help, right? But if I'm compassionate, if I'm loving, if I'm tolerant, they'll eventually respond to that, and then maybe we can move through it. Because remember, the power that flows through me can heal, but I'm not a healer, I'm a vessel of healing. Does it make sense? So my perspective is not the one that's needed. It's more of an infinite perspective. Okay? So if we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. You guys ever heard that? How many times this week? <laughs> at least I'm sober. Where's my real alcoholics, my real addicts in the house? Don't quit no matter what. Helpless variety. How many times were you at least sober? How'd that work for you? Dude, I gotta, I'm an ease and comfort seeker. I'm always going to be looking for ease and comfort. And I can bring to consciousness right now, many years sober, the sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a few drinks. If I don't, if I store that up, if I don't go inward and start processing it and moving into a spiritually developed state, then I'll be restless, irritable, and discontented until it's untenable, and I will medicate. Yeah? Okay. So, certainly he must keep sober, but there'll be no home if he doesn't, but he's yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he's so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is the patience mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. How many of you had understanding people in your life? How many of you really cared about them? How many of you, when it was time to go get hooked up, couldn't demonstrate any outward action that showed that you cared about them? Because when we need a fix, we go get a fix. Okay. So, had this not been so, many of us would have no homes today, would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic's like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. You won't necessarily conclude that if you haven't done your inventory and looked at who you were before you knew any of this stuff, what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now, what I hope to be like in the future. I'm, I found out that I'm a lot better than what I had ever hoped to be like in the future, and I had nothing to do with any of it. And I still got a long way to go. But I'm better than I th ever thought I wanted to be. Yeah. Right. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yep. So it is unthinking to think that sobriety is enough. I need freedom. I need fitness. I need purpose. I need to get up every day and want to run to work so I can encounter people and, and pump them up. Right? Empower the innate goodness in every human being. I live for that. I didn't know I aspired to that. I just want a bunch of fucking money in a beach house. <laughs> Got some kindred spirits here. Some cool cars, too. Yeah. Yeah. I still want all that shit. But anyway, he's like the farmer who came out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, Don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? We always laugh about that, but how many of you did that in early recovery? Oh, yeah. What do you mean you got to do something? I got, I, I'll miss my meeting. I need to go to my meeting. You do the dishes. Right. And it grabbed the wind stopped blowing. At least I'm not drinking. Right. And they're looking at us going, why don't you go drink? You're miserable. Right? I need to be free. Right? Okay, so, yes, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead, and we must take the lead. So we're reconstructing what? Our lives. Lives. We're reconstructing lives. There's the purpose in it. Running around, expressing regret, asking for forgiveness, knowing that the benefit of the forgiveness you're asking for is for them. Because when they forgive, they heal. Right? Okay. All right. So a remorseful mumbling that we're sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. 
Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So think about that. We, we usually, I think you guys that are here, you probably get some instruction in that. The family of origin, when you return to it after a difficult period, they're used to us, the addict, or us, the incarcerator, or us, the whatever, being, being the reason for all the tumult in the home. But we were a symptom of a sick home. We, we weren't the cause, right? And so what happens when we start to get well is the family wants us back in our role. Any of you had someone had that some experience with it? So you need to be aware of that. That's why we want you stable before you go there, because we lead them out, we don't follow them in. Right. Does it make sense? So so we're gonna get fortified in prayer before we go try and get into difficult situations. So what they say is their defects may be glaring, but the chances are our own actions are partly responsible. So I'm gonna watch my thoughts, I'm gonna take on whatever perceptions they have. And it says, we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator, capital C, show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. So when I ask to be shown the way, then my blinders of selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear are removed, and I'm looking for the way. Patience, kindness, tolerance, and love. And it's demonstrated through me. But as I'm demonstrating, the way clears. Because remember, the world is reflecting how I'm thinking and feeling. It's not causing it. So this is a prayer that we want to get disciplined in because we may need it more than once in the morning. Yeah. Any of you ever work with humans? <laughs> so you may need it more than once. Okay? Um, so then it says the spiritual life is not a theory. So they just went through all of that telling you, this, guys, this isn't a gimmick. We grow spiritually because the goal of 12-step recovery is what? awakening which is an inebriation of the spirit because I'm dependent and if I don't demonstrate my dependence on the power within I will go find something out there that'll do yes okay so we have to live it so what is the manner of living admit promptly when we're wrong right step 10 what we're gonna look at next week is gonna tell us right when we continue to take personal inventory and when we're wrong promptly admit it then right okay all right so unless one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles we think we ought not urge them how many of you were new in recovery and started having all kinds of cool experiences and then just needed everyone to you gotta go to this meeting man you gotta, you gotta go and do this and they're like yeah I don't feel it I don't want to go you gotta We, 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 dude, all of us have done it and all of us yeah. have experienced it. But the reality is if you walk in with the lights on, they're going to go, whoa, what happened to you? And then when you tell them, they'll come. It's, it's self-evident. So we should not talk as incessantly to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. So claim that promise. Whatever difficulty you're in, it's at least partially yours. So... Get yourself powered up, and they will change in time. Okay? So our behavior will convince them more than our words. Isn't that true for you? And for me to just mind my behavior is a full-time thing. Watching you and your response. Any of you ever saw how someone responded to you and thought, you know, maybe I could behave this way and they'd like me better? Any of you ever done that? Did they like you any better? And now you didn't like you. So did it work? That's the insanity of the human condition. I can't control how I think, but I think I can somehow act in a way to control how you think. Doesn't work. They call it people-pleasing. They're not pleased. So um, our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness will make a skeptic out of anyone. i got to remember who I've been to them, and they're still stuck in who I was, and it's going to take a while for them to see me differently than what I was, and some of them will never see you any different than what you were. And, and unfortunately, that's their loss, because there's a whole world of people who need to know what you know. They need to know who you know, who you are and whose you are. Okay? 
So there may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves we would right them if we could. So if there's people you can't see, then we figure out we've got all kinds of creative ways to do that, how we can try and make something right. Um, some people cannot be sent, seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't delay if it can be avoided. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. So those of you that are afraid of being humiliated, when I injured them, that's when I humiliated me, and when I take ownership of it, that's not a humiliating experience. That's just what people, grown peoples do. That's what adults do. I own my stuff, right? Um, as God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. So what phase of our development? So we've been introduced, as Sean says, to this new manner of living that requires self-inventory, mm -hmm. confession, restitution. If I'll, if I'll move through those principles on the regular, then these promises are going to start to happen for me, yep. right? Yep. And it says I'll be amazed before I'm halfway through. Halfway through with what? Yes. The process. The, the process, which really doesn't end in 4 through 9, what happens is 4 through 9 you learn practice, and then in 10 and 11 you learn discipline, and then in 12 you learn servitude. Does that make sense? It's not 10, 11, and 12 every day. That's people that write workbooks. The manner of living is first you learn how to watch your own thoughts, then you learn how to invite God in to inform your steps, and then you start serving God by going out and finding people just like you, offering them the healing that you need, but you don't know. You can recognize what they need through your eyes, and you don't know you're lacking it in you, but when you offer it to them, you receive it as a vessel. And that's why it works. Okay. So, we're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. What's that mean? Never happened before. That's right. You're, you're sitting in new freedom. Why do you think we named it that? Never happened before. Everyone said, can't be done. <laughs> what kind of idiot would put 400 ex-prisoners in one place? I don't know, probably a bunch of ex-prisoners. Welcome to new freedom. New happiness. You hear that? How many of you know that people were thinking about you? wherever you are, whether you're just in recovery or you were in a penitentiary or whatever, and you came home and you realized that this was all built for you when you thought you were forgotten. Yeah. Will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Why? It's our asset. It's my greatest asset. I know I don't speak of a redemption of another. I speak of a redemption of the hopeless soul that I am. Yeah. We, we re comprehend the word serenity, we will know peace. Notice the words, comprehend and know. How does one know peace? The absence of conflict within you. We would love to have long spaces of no conflict within us, wouldn't we? Okay. No matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. Is that true? Where's my 12-steppers? Where's my, my new freedom people that have met their peers that are wearing red lanyards and they realize that no matter how far down the scale they went, they can see how their experience will benefit another. And not just their prison experience, their whole experience in reentry, right? Okay. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. How many of you had that happen for you? How many of you have lapsed back into bouts of uselessness and self-pity? Because that's a lie, but it happens to us, right? You're neither useless, nor are you alone. But it's good to re-up, right? Okay. So we'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Notice how the words they use. Right? It goes away, it comes back, it, but it slips away, and, and gradually we become different. Yes? We're made new right away, but it takes us a minute to start acting like it. Okay? 
So our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We'll intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We'll suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? They actually are. (laughs) And the reason they put that in is because everyone looking at it, they know how skeptical we are and go, yeah, that's bullshit. But what they're saying is, dude, we're not talking about theories. These are facts from our experience. It is extravagant, but you serve an extravagant power. Walk with me, I'll show you. So we're done, thanks much.